0: All right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio, Facebook, The Glue Guys, iTunes. Give us five stars. And Brian. <laughs> Mike. The Nets are yeah. back.
1: I wish. I, we don't have our drops today because of the stupid Skype. But uh, uh, Don't even get but, me started on stupid Skype. Please. But holy cow, Mike, are, are the Nets ever back? I mean,
0: I, I I tweeted this, no big deal, at bkglueguys uh i am getting more and more excited for the season this is i'm okay my one question and we we did we we have uh emails that we want to get to so netspot at gmail thank you for everyone for emailing but how real do we take this i think that's the first question i just want to be answered here
1: so so i'll I'll just jump in with jack true boy, jack manuel you deserve a proper john cena rollout brother and I don't have it for you, and I feel terrible about that. But uh, we'll get you back next time. So basically, he says, "Does the team's hot preseason form change your expectations for them going into the season?" Um, so, why, did you did you write your Nets Daily Roundtable thing, Mike? I did, and I wish I kind of could go back to it. Yeah, so and I wrote a, I wrote an email last night at like eleven uh, o'clock at night to to Reed uh, Wallach at at Nets Daily. Shout out teacher boy, um, being like, Hey, I want to update my, <laughs> my answers. <laughs> the fifth. Well, here's what, here's what I did. So I went, I initially had, I wrote mine two weeks ago and I had them winning 29 games and I bumped it up to 36 games. If only because I don't want to be, you know, with all the positive vibes on this team right now, I don't want to be the guy that comes in with the conservative estimate, you know, I want to go. I want to match their positive vibes. I want to. I want to meet them halfway, Mike. And that would be an amazing thirty-six. Is so what they won twenty games last year. Thirty-six would be amazing. Huge. huge. It would be insane. It's not accurate. I'm getting. I'm obviously getting swept up in the preseason hype. Per Jack Manuel's uh, question, but so yeah, to answer your question, I am deeply swept up in it, uh, and it's and it's for I think good reason because, you know, it's not just it's not just. D'Angelo Russell or Jeremy Lin having big games or whatever. It's it's the act. What we're seeing on the court is way beyond. It's way more maturity beyond what we could yes. have expected at this point in the season. Um, on all fronts, on on both ends of the floor, it's it's very impressive for a lot of reasons. I don't know. So I'm getting I'm getting all swept away in the hype. And but like before, I
0: bring us down because there's obviously some things that we can point out is the reason why they've looked good and maybe that's not sustainable. But let's talk what has been good. Um, For two games, at least against the Knicks, D'Angelo has looked really great. I mean, last night was fantastic. You got the whole package. You got passing D'Angelo. D'Angelo made the craftiest passes more crafty than what was made last year on this team. He was making mm-hmm. little passes where he would get to the hoop. And what was interesting, so I had, you know, you you saw this Twitter activity that happened over the weekend where I criticized D'Angelo during the Heat game. Lately, I thought, but that there was this rolling thunder of... D'Angelo haters out there, D'Angelo defenders out there, they were all part of it. What we saw last night, though, was D'Angelo not just – sometimes when guys are scorers and they do pass the ball, they do it because they can't score, right? They they fall into a corner and they're like, oh, I better pass the ball. What D'Angelo was doing last night was actually getting into positions to get guys around him to score, um, which is, like, major. That's a huge development. Um, Mm -hmm. D'Angelo was super crafty. Alan Crabb, Carousel Vert. We hadn't yet to have seen them and both, I mean, A plus performances,
1: Brian. A plus doing, doing exactly what we want to see. Yeah, <clears throat> I was uh, so I was at the uh, Heat preseason game with your Boy GW, shout out. Um wah, 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 wah. and and, uh, and we were commenting on D'Angelo Russell's game. Um What did G B think, think? Uh he, he's so G Dub's basketball philosophy is is rooted in um, give give the guy the ball uh, give like the best scorer the ball all the time like he his his he he liked ISO Joe years he likes Vince Carter he oh likes he likes he likes uh, <laughs> preeminent scorers right uh, so so his he is I think properly geeked out on the potential of D'Angelo Russell. But we were commenting on, like, so the comparisons between him and James Harden, and we were trying to pinpoint what exactly the similarity is. And outside of a lot of people have termed it pace, a lot of ter- like, because neither of them are, protect- are particularly quick or or athletic necessarily. But I'm going to jump on a limb and say that it's due to balance. They have preternatural balance. Uh, it's it's you know they they get to their spots and they put people out of position, but they still maintain their. Their like positioning on the floor, their their uh, their ability to do a lot of things in a lot of weird positions, um, and and that like so that you, I think you sent out a tweet last time. By the way, your Twitter game has been on fire lately, Mike. Let's go. Um, <laughs> you were in midseason Twitter form. I oh, know. Uh, well, that's <laughs> and,
0: and like I will say, some, part of that is because the excitement from the fan. I mean, like we're feeling it. Glue Nation is feeling it. Um, yeah, it's happening because people are excited about this team. It's so easy to tweet
1: about. But yeah. what were you saying? Uh, uh, it was it was, was one play last night that you tweeted about. I think uh, it was like D'Angelo Russell uh, like had a steal on an inbounds pass, and then had this really um, like like you would advise against this play for mo- like ninety nine percent of players. Yeah, but totally. he like squirmed in and had an n one play that should not have happened. It was he was like no under point. the bucket. He was yeah. he was too he was far dribbling under the bucket. And a guy was,
0: like, totally all over him. D'Angelo wasn't even going that quickly. It wasn't like a Steve Nash, like, quick little circle right. around the bucket. It was, it was like a slow sort of, I'm going to back someone out of my way. And he drew the foul, <laughs> contact, just yeah. totally crafty, awesome, a move a guy who's 21 years old should not make. And he was making yeah. it. And I think that's obviously, that's kind of his
1: M.O., this uh, his, his this kind of goes into like his like what we're going to see from D'Angelo Russell over the course of the season. Like he's not there. There will be moments where he makes embarrassing decisions. Like not not embarrassing, but just bad decisions. And there there is going to be an interesting ratio of like that was an insane idea versus <laughs> that was an insane idea and that worked. Uh, so I think that's like the maturation process for that is going to be forgiving a lot of what seems to be insane overconfident plays. But you know, in order to Break out, as it were, in order to play transcendent basketball, you have to sort of make some boneheaded decisions with the understanding that, like, y- you have faith that you can do those types of things uh, and that faith is growing. You know, you got to be you got to be like Nia. You got to start believing, Mike. Well, um, and and it's also so like I almost give
0: it. So it's sort of like you give someone who quits smoking a lot of credit because they were able to, to drop an addiction. I give uh, D'Angelo a lot of credit for playing poorly in the Heat game, Kenny Atkinson spoke specifically after, I think, was it this past game or after the Heat game about uh, we we had an understanding about D'Angelo's shot selection, meaning D'Angelo, he did not, Kenny Atkinson did not like D'Angelo's shot selection. So he played poorly mm-hmm. against the Heat, not a big deal, again, preseason. But then he comes out and is a distributor, is making better decisions with the ball immediately, right? So it's not, um, he's not Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters, it took him five years to figure out what he should be doing. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo, as you said, will make mistakes, but what he is already doing is correcting mistakes on the fly, which is huge. I, I mean so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be pretty critical of D'Angelo this season just because he's so important. And I think mm-hmm. the most important thing to watch this season, and I wrote this in our little roundtable, is that every little progression that D'Angelo makes to being a complete basketball player and the team leader and the guy on the floor that can make all the good decisions for the team is the most important thing that's going to happen all season. And it's to me, it's not enough just to accept that he is um, let's say like a third of James Harden without the passing. He needs to, he, I'm not saying he has to be James Harden, but he has to be um, in the team concept, fitting what they're supposed to do, passing the ball around and then making good shot selections. Even last night, he still took, and this is the shot. If I was a coach, I would, I would bench someone almost immediately. If they did this, Mm -hmm. the, Get around the guy at the three point line, dribble in two two steps, and then shoot it from you know two feet within the three point line, and he still mm-hmm. did that. That's almost irresistible for guys who's been who've been scorers their whole life because it's an open shot. It's, yeah, it's just the worst shot in basketball, and he made sure. it, and he's still making it. He, well, not made it in terms of making in the shot, but he's still was taking that shot. Um, yeah, dude. But I mean, super amped. I mean, I'm I'm oh, okay with. The, so they have played the Knicks twice, and the Knicks may be the worst basketball team in. In, in the league. I mean, they, they look horrible, especially because Porzingis wasn't out there. They were running a point guard. What was his name? Dotson? I I, yeah. had no, I never heard of that person in my life. He had never <laughs> existed in my life until t- last they, night. They're high on Dotson. It's uh, that? Was talking uh, about good. High. I'm glad they are. I think Ron Baker got, got, got to sit the game. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so much to dig out of this. It's so funny how it's preseason. I've never... I've never... Have you
1: ever paid attention to preseason basketball in your life? I mean, this is... Well, it's interesting. It's because, you know, <clears throat> this... The, the fact... That I think there's a lot of improvements. Uh, first of all, the fact that the preseason is, is shortened now is a huge improvement. Um, they they should... It should really be just four games. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's really important for a team like this, you know? And they're taking it super seriously. Like those rotations, I think, are fairly faithful up until, like, the end of the third quarter is, at, as to, like, what we're going to see. And they're deep. This This team is... Is going to go deep into. I mean, because it's all you're basically playing, with the exception of a few guys. I also, can I say that? Well, I can get into this, but um, I really kind of like the starting Damari Carroll and Rondé Hollis Jefferson at the same time. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm hoping that that kind of uh, continues for at least a little bit longer because Hollis. Well, this goes right into a uh, an email, so may as well just fire that off from your boy Anthony Pignatti. Thanks for hitting us up. Netspot at gmail.com. Everybody always hit me up. Never. It doesn't even matter if we're going to pot or not. I just want to hear from you. I want to know that you're out there. <laughs> um, so he's got two questions. First is given our uh, Rondé's development over the summer. What do you guys think are uh, reasonable expectations are uh, from him this upcoming season? So a uh, couple of things. Good question. While hard, hard not to be excited about Rondé's development uh, at this point. <clears throat> Seeing a lot just in, in just like his his movements his the fluidity is, is really gotten a lot better um his 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 body language is just much more natural out there he's, he's trying uh trying less hard and doing more in the process um but that being said he he still choreographs his offense um in an interesting way like you can tell like when he that he's going to he's like I'm going to put up a shot now uh and it's going to be a turnaround and like that that used to be a really bad shot now it's going in yeah, he's hit a
0: couple of those like tough jumper turnarounds that that yeah. didn't again didn't exist before.
1: It like it did and it didn't like the the motions were there like but yeah it was just a much it was a much more messed up version of it. Anyways, but so I think as teams start scouting for him and learning that a little bit, uh, they're going to be able to defend that pretty easily. Um, that being said, it's like a huge improvement. So like I reasonable expectations. I'm I'm hoping for like. I don't know, 13 points per game and, like, eight rebounds. Like, that would be, like, a really big, nice, juicy jump for a guy like him. That would um, be
0: that would be a huge jump. I mean, Well, eight, he did, like, yeah. that's yeah. what he did last year. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think, like, eight rebounds is maybe ambitious. But I'm not going to – well, if you said six rebounds, I would be well, – So
1: I buy into those April stats too much. But his April stats, rebounding-wise, were, were pretty filthy.
0: Well, and, and like, this is going to be a thing, but – not that Brooke was bad at boxing out, but Mozgov will be a good boxer outer. It's like a weird little basketball thing to care about, but Mozgov may not get a lot of rebounds, but he'll, he will be affecting the floor and boxing out and doing the things. And then Rondé is going to be the guy that gets Um, them. So like, there's all these things that we can expect with the team or we hope to expect that Karis will be better that. D'Angelo will provide a lot more that if Jeremy Lynn is healthy, this team will be better overall because when he was on the floor, they were good. Um, Damari Carroll and Alan Crabb being here improves your wing rotation significantly. But like the Rondé factor, the X factor for this team, if he's actually a starter, if he is someone who is, uh, still has a developing game, it is not just a, a poor man's Gerald Wallace, which is a pretty, pretty poor man. Um, mm-hmm. If he is someone who can contribute on the floor, kind of create uncomfortable mismatches for guys – that's such a big deal. I mean, every, every guy who can be better is a big deal for this team, but if Rondé, as young as he is, as much athletic talent as he has, if he can provide some sort of that energy but yet also efficiency, because that's the difference, right, is that as opposed to being a clown going to the hoop, he is now sort of looks right. It looks comfortable. It looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, well let me
1: give you this. So last year his per thirty six, and he's obviously not gonna get thirty-six minutes on, with the depth at his position this season, but he was it was fourteen and nine um on the per thirty six, shooting a fairly not great forty three percent from the field. Um right. And now that he's making shots, you can expect that to go up, or at least they have to respect his range or are beginning to. Um so what was his like, what think, was his, field, my, my, what sorry, was his
0: free throw percentage last year?
1: <laughs> um you sound like me uh it was 75 percent. okay
0: okay good okay that's yeah. <laughs> i remember yeah, that's a big
1: it. indicator for your mid-range shot obviously
0: a- and also the fact that like if he does play a lot of minutes if it was let's say in the 50s then he's getting fouled all the time and ruining the offense right. we're now nice. yeah okay so 75 is a big big
1: so big like a, so i think i think like the optimistic end of the spectrum 13 and 8 probably far to the end of that side of the spectrum but uh I think doable. I think doable with, with solid defensive stats. I think he could become a real asset. Like I, I was not going into the season thinking that because uh, like, I hadn't seen that growth up to this point, but um, I, I am a firm believer in what I've seen this preseason from him.
0: Well, and also it's like, so it's funny that Damari Carroll's on this team, but if he is what he seems to be, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, he's basically Damari Carroll without the three point shot when Damari was a valuable player in Atlanta. And that, yeah. again, that's, that's a guy you want on your team. They're sort of similar in that way. Um,
1: yeah. That's been, interesting. go oh, yeah, so again.
0: No, what were you gonna say?
1: Well, like going in, through this preseason, can you think of anyone whose stock has has been has been going down? Like, I, I can't. There's no players really whose stock is is, uh, in my opinion, like not doing better. Well, than,
0: I mean, I think this is opportunity. I think Whitehead's stock has fallen.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair.
0: Could, but that's that's an opportunity thing. He played so much last year because they needed him to. This year, okay. I don't know. I don't know if he's really. I mean, I don't know what the roster with the G League, I don't know what the flexibility is there, but I don't know if he's on the roster because Dinwiddie's the the point guard off the bench. Uh, yeah. K- Kenny Atkinson has talked about fluctuating the minutes between Lynn and D'Angelo, so either of t- those two are on the floor pretty much the whole time. So those are essentially three ball handlers that will always be on the floor, either two of them <laughs> together or one by themselves. Um, you're going to be pushing Crab at shooting guard minutes, that's for sure, because... You're gonna want Damari out there and Rondé out there, and if you're gonna have those two guys who aren't great shooters, Crab actually makes a lot of sense at the two. Karis Lavert, of course, can handle the ball and is also. I mean, it's so funny. This team was the worst team in the league last year, but yet you look and like you're like, where are these guys gonna get minutes? Where yeah. is right. besides center? Where are the yeah. minutes coming from? And I think so. What was interesting last night was that Kenny did you know did a lineup where it was something like. Quincy Ac, Trevor Booker, um, Alan Crabb, no, Damari Carroll, Karis LeVert, and Spencer Dinwiddie. It was all like 6'6 six, six dudes. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about playing Rondé at center. Um, <laughs> so if they're going to push, put these guys who are barely power forwards at center and really create sort of like maximum athleticism on the floor, one, I want to see it, of course. And, two, it's, gonna, it's just going to make so much fun basketball. The basketball is going to be, like, electric. Um, yeah, no defense. The,
1: the, uh, so, to, to that question, uh, or to that point, um, got another question from Trueboy Anthony Pignatti, And thanks again, Anthony. Um, so, two, everybody's talking about Crabb and his shooting last defense. What were your thoughts? Um, so just in general, the defense is awesome looking at a, at a you know, stupid early point in the season. Um, and I think that the reason for that is that basically, whenever they decide to double team or hedge over, the secondary defender is almost always going for the steal. They're either going to steal the ball or foul in the process of stealing the ball, which... Um, which is interesting, and so we had, I think, 14 steals in the first half against the Knicks last night, or, or something obscene like that. Yeah, there's um,
0: 17 turnovers in the, in the f-
1: yeah. first and half a, at one point. And again, this is the Knicks, and so you're not going to be right. expecting, and they don't have a point guard, so so um, that, that all should be taken into consideration. Um, that being said, there is an obvious defensive strategy there of everyone playing the passing lanes all the time, and... Uh, like, and when you, and when the pass does go over your head, you immediately go hunt down the, the big man that just got the ball and try to stab at it. Uh, so it's like, I, I really, so I think that's obviously like, we're, we're a couple of cues guys. Right. And we've seen, we've seen a lot of, um, basically small ball our entire, our entire collegiate careers. Right. Um, this is eerily reminiscent of the Bayheim defense without really the zone, but, they would have a bunch of rangy 6'5 to 6'8 dudes at every position and be constantly uh, looking to, like, play passing lanes. Um,
0: Which, like, makes a ton of sense for the modern NBA. That right. Like, if you can put a bunch of guys that can run out to the three-point line and put hands up and, you know, disrupt that sort the passing lanes and the shooting lanes. Yeah. That ma- that's going to make all the difference if right you're now. not
1: going to have a, a, like when they were playing Quincy AC against Porzingis right it was like a 50 percent success rate either they were going to steal the ball or like Rondé was guarding him at, at times too either they're going to steal the ball before he got it or Porzingis was going to score so they just went all in on trying to steal it like every time that like the his the guy was like looking to pass it to Porzingis they were constantly looking to deny him the ball or, or play the passing lane um, so which is what you just have to do if you're not playing big
0: I mean, um, I'm going to I'm going to throw like some negativity at the defense not in terms of how they've played. But again, it is two games against the Knicks and it's a game against the Heat where the Heat seemed unmotivated um, yeah. to actually be it, there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and by the way, I don't so you were at the game, so you didn't get to enjoy this. But so the only feed that we got was NBA TV, I believe. Um, and we had the Heat announcers doing it. And they were still talking about, and I totally forgot about this, the 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 awful uh, display of sportsmanship the Nets made last year when they, you know, sat all their starters at the end of the season against, well, I forget what team it even was, was really? the Bulls. Um, remember when, you know, and then the Heat, because the Nets lost the game against the Bulls and the Bulls got into the playoffs, then the Heat did not get into the playoffs. It was something, basically, because the Nets lost, the Heat did not get into the playoffs last year. So they were still right. talking about how, Around the NBA, there was just so many people talking about how terrible that was and how much of an awful sign of the of the league's future that was. It's like, oh, my God, guys. It's like, one, it's, it, it's, it, you're not a victim of circumstance. You're a victim of your own making. If you guys were better during the beat of the season, that would have been your fault. And also the announcers. I don't want to crush announcers. is not what I want to do, but they were bad and not enjoyable <laughs> to listen to. And it made me really appreciate Ian Eagle and Sarah Kustak, who mm. – has, like, again, I said this on Twitter, just, like, fit right in, is totally comfortable um, doing this new new role. I mean, I know she did it last year and maybe a couple of years before that, too, but uh, she's been fantastic. Um, defensively, I'm still uh, questioning exactly how it's going to work when you're playing good teams who have good players. Um, sure. I mean, but I ultimately don't care. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not – I. I'm not I'm not showing up for defense right now. I'm here to see how this offense is going to work with all the new pieces that they have and how exciting this team could be. I mean, it's honestly like they made so many, like the Trevor Booker behind the back pass. Uh, there mm-hmm. was four D'Angelo Russell passes that were all great. Um, this team is connecting on a high level. And I will say there's, so we keep saying they played the Knicks twice. The one thing about that is that like, Kenny Atkinson deserves credit for the fact that this team looks coherent this early in the season, right? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like we – you know, the the opponents may not be good, but the Nets shouldn't be good either. But yet the Nets seem like they're a professional basketball team and that – and no matter who's in the game, they're all playing the same way, everyone on the Nets. It's all – we're passing the ball around. We're driving to the hoop. It's all action. D'Angelo's the only guy that's sort of – doing his own thing at his own time but that's not I problem.
1: really I mean I can't um I'm, I'm starting to have a real heavy crush on uh, Kenny Atkinson I, I really like his his sideline demeanor I like I like the moments where he goes over and it's like you can tell he's like narrating to the players on the bench and he's just sort of standing there talking to them while the play while the game's going on development it's I just there's a lot to like just about his his demeanor
0: well I think we saw like a new demeanor last night which was calm Kenny because Colin Kenny didn't have many chances to come out last year. The, no. the blowout yeah. Kenny, the guy who's sitting yeah. there with the 35 point lead or whatever it was at one point and just thinking, Yeah, it doesn't matter what I do. It's just this game's over.
1: You, you know what's also really telling about these these games is so okay, so for everything to go for us to get wins, right? We have to work really hard on both ends of the floor. We have to work really hard on getting our shot on offense and defense. And there's like this sense of urgency you need to have when you have the lead. Like you can you have to be Playing like you're down when you're up twenty because we really don't have go-to scorers yet. I mean, D'Angelo appears to be going to fill that role hopefully. But um, like, and and they really were even in a preseason game playing with with um, with a lot of urgency despite being up like throughout the entire game yes, and seeming like point. they were going to win throughout the entire game. So to that point, next up, Cherboy. This is just this is a he wants to keep it enigmatic. It's just just A. is his name's going with A. Or no, actually, sorry, he signs off Amro. Amro, cool name, Amro, and thanks for hitting us up. Um, get you, John Cena, next time. Uh, Longtime Nets fan, new fan of the pod. Um, great to have you on board, brother. Um, don't think I've ever been as excited to watch a preseason game in my life as I was last night. My question: Which development from these first few preseason games excites you the most? RHJ's mid-range shot, Lavert's strength finishing, Carol's revival, etc. Um, so I'll just start off saying, like, I'm I'm buying Rondé stock. Like right now, you could probably tell. Um, like, uh, it was I'm, like
0: two dollars before the season began, and yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I am I'm big on. It's just I. It's very rare that I see a guy add that much to his game, and it's so obvious. It really just. It's very vivid. Pops off the off the screen watching him play now. It's just, just a, it's night and day for me. Well, and they've been doing
0: like, and they do it with Carroll too. They pretty much do it with any wing. Is that actually a lot of the wings have initiated the offense? Like Rondé, yeah. a couple of times was taking the ball up the floor off of a made basket on the other end, meaning like Rondé was getting the pass, dribbling up, initiating the offense either to Lynn and Russell. I mean, th- you know, that's not going to – it's not a totally revolutionary thing in basketball, but mm-hmm. what it does once show is that Kenny is spreading the ball around enough. You know, I think the part of my fear about this team, when it, it was always going to be dueling banjos, and it was just going to be Lynn and Russell touching the ball, and then whatever decision that they would make, basically shoot or pass, that was the end of the possession – um, but Ronde's gotten some touches. Booker's obviously thrown passes around. Um, if I'm going to choose one of those three, I think Carroll's the biggest because I knew, I
1: knew you were going to pick Carroll. Not
0: because not of trade value, even though I'm excited <laughs> about his trade value already. It's so, it's so tantalizing. Um, because they got a first round pick and a second round pick to take on this guy who, if he provided any value, then he provides a ton of value. So, mm. and he fits a position that they needed. He looks
1: like perfect. You know, like, I'm, yeah. like athletically, he fits exactly what this team wants. To to that point, you know, I was on Raptors forums and things like that, and you and never believe a Raptors forum first and foremost, Mike. Let me just let me just get that out there. <laughs> they do not. They're they're a, weird, a strange group of fan. I think they're like
0: the Portland Trailblazers type of fan.
1: Yeah. Um. It. Anyways, I kept reading. Uh, yeah, Damari Carroll is whatever, whatever, but his, his lateral m- mobility is shot and it's because of his injury and he's old and he's never going to get that back. And to my eye, Mike, that has not at all been the case. Um, seems to be moving side to side with, with great ease. Um, yeah, just looks, just looks completely healthy. Yeah. Like if you had, if you
0: did the whole thing where you were in cryogenic freeze for 10 years, you came out, you had no history of Damari Carroll's past performance and past injuries and you were just dropped into a Brooklyn Nets game and you looked at him, you'd say, that's a spry young fella. That's a guy yeah. that that's athletic, that's moving around the floor, that is active. He seems like – he has that kind of demeanor on the court that you can tell from guys who are leader-ish. You know, they have – he kind of has got that confidence, but also the wiliness, mm-hmm. um, exactly what this team needed. I really do think this is a big deal because – Again, it makes the wing rotation a lot better. It does take pressure off of Ronde and Karis and Go- and Alan Crab, guys that are gonna play wing minutes, you know, the wing, the two, three, four types slots. Um, and, you know, I don't you know, don't want to get too far ahead of the game, but trade value. It's just if Damari Carroll is what he was in Atlanta, that's a valuable player. That's a guy that is worth fifteen million dollars a year in this current NBA state. Um, and he's a veteran that he's the type of player that every team wants, you know, Mm. you know how we talk about the Celtics Cavs trade and people obsess over Jay Crowder, like Jay Crowder is the next coming of, of, I don't know who else you would want him to be like. And he's a fine player. Essentially, Tamari Carroll is a more athletic, less bulky Jay Crowder when healthy. Um, you think so? Yeah, I think I actually think Damari Carroll's ceiling's higher than Jay Crowder's. Jay, the good thing about Jay Crowder is that he can handle bulkier uh, guys like LeBron. I mean, that was what he kind of was known for: is the fact that he could kind of guard mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's and LeBron's, the the guys who have a little bit more heft to him, Carmelo Anthony, whoever you want to name, uh, Demar Carroll probably can't do that, but he can he can guard wings pretty well. He can shift down to four if he really needs to. And he was a decent sh- three-point shooter in Atlanta before his bad time in Toronto. So I'm, I'm, like, super amped up about him because, again, him being good makes everyone else move down a slot, and then those guys moving down a slot are going to be playing, you know, backups in the who they are better than. Um, so, again, love Mark. I'm just so excited. I'm, just so, I'm so ready, Bri. I am so fired up about the Nets this year. This is our year. We're going to the you... playoffs,
1: Brian. I'm saying it. <laughs> are, are you? I mean, what did you put their win total at? Like 36. Really? You did? Yeah, because I think I think it's like a reasonable 16
0: win. I think I said 32 or 36, an even number in the 30s. Because it's to even approve that much is a lot. And to say that they're going to win 40 games would be – it's a 20-game improvement. I don't know in the history of the NBA – Beyond someone getting a, a franchise player, like a true franchise player, that ever happening. Um, yeah, the East is weaker; they are better. They seem to know what they're doing. There won't be turmoil, which is sort of an underrated aspect. Unless if there, unless if Prokhorov sells the team, and the new guy comes in is like Prokhorov 2.0 and wants to shake things up immediately. That's the only way there's yeah. going to be turmoil. Like Kenny and Sean Marks are going to be here, so. Uh, there, there's not going to be that awful April where guys are just tanking and Drew, you know, not Drew Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe yeah. is on the bench sitting and watching games, stuff like that.
1: I got to tell you, like just spiritually, it's I, I'm so glad that we this is going to sound stupid on its surface, but so I'm, I'm going on the uh, posting and toasting site, the the net, uh, the Knicks SB Nation and looking through the comments and they're all like they're all retroactively celebrating the the loss, but it's like, Oh yeah, we're going to get that tank. It's a tanking season. Like, Hey guys, like we're going to be getting a great pick. And like that, that's not sustainable. That, that feeling no. is not, is <laughs> not sustainable. Like it seems it's, it's funny to be ironic about it early on, but uh, by, by the end of November, that feeling goes away and you just stop paying attention. You just, you just drift off and well, it's I... really difficult to have a podcast. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and so like that, and you can't just be like refreshing Draft Express all day. That's not that's not a way to be a fan. And I'm I'm really kind of as as like as as much as it's not long term beneficial for the team, sort of glad that's not even a a a thing that we have to think about this season. You know, we don't have the it's, pick. It's, it's not there.
0: A weird benefit of the awful trade that friend of the podcast Billy King made, um, yeah. is that you don't have that sort of like. The the part of your brain, the dark, deep devil part yes. of your brain, saying you mm-hmm. want your team to lose—that doesn't exist for the Nets. It's a that, weird sort of blissful state that we're at.
1: Thirty-six. The thirty-six wins are pure. It's a pure. We worked hard <laughs> and earned those thirty-six <laughs> it's
0: the, wins. It's the pure. It's even purer than what the Warriors will do. The Warriors are, yeah. <laughs> you know, this this amalgamation of amazing players where that yeah. were kind of brought together in, in an unnatural, unnatural circumstance. Where the Nets are this beautiful little. You know, like, I don't know, I don't know if you have friends that do this, but I have friends now that are gardening, and they're not, they're not <laughs> farmers, but they do, like, a tomato patch in the back. Sure, sure. The, the Nets are the tomato patch. You know, a couple mm. of them are going to die, you know, yeah. in terms of, like, not actually produce. Yeah. But it's, it's a beautiful thing when you bite into that tomato that you made.
1: It's, it's, not, it's not a wholesale commercial operation. No. It's, it's filled with no. TLC. <laughs> That's what it is.
0: The only people that actually want to eat those tomatoes sure. are the people that are gardening it. And the Nets fans tell- are gardening this.
1: This team did you, did you watch uh Kurt Ramby uh on the uh Kurt Rambis on the sideline? Sorry,
0: yeah, Ramby. wearing a untucked shirt and sure. no tie. He
1: looked like what was he? It <laughs> was like he looked like James Woods and uh, his character in Casino. What was he <laughs> it's 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 crazy to me that he is also still
0: here because he's so Phil, he's Phil's guy, you know, he's Phil's conduit to the team, and he's sitting next to Hornacek. How's Hornersec not like? Just get the, get the heck out of here, dude. At this point, leave me, leave me alone, and like show some, put some, put a tie on, or, or tuck in your shirt. Don't wear a flannel shirt underneath a coat and just leave it untucked and look
1: like a slob. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, he was... some class, the Yankee well... way. Um, <laughs> it looked like he bet it all in that game. He was... There, there is one point I
0: wanted to make, sort of about the Nick, Nick's tanking thing, is that. The Knicks fans, I understand the temptation because if you get Chris Stapps and another really good young player, then you got, you know, like a really interesting team kind of forming. That's the opposite of what – one is that their cap sheet is so clogged up with Tim Hardaway and Joakim Noah that that's like that's, – it's not like they're going to become a destination for LeBron, okay? So that, those type of players are out of the question. You already had your chance at Carmelo, so not, a star is not going to come to New York. It's just not going to happen. Kyrie's already in Boston. Kyrie was their shot to get a star and that's not happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Chris Stapps has had a pretty rough start to his career and you really can't screw up a seven foot three dude anymore. Like there's only a certain amount of negative energy. Seven foot three people can take on the basketball floor before they start getting the foot problems and the back problems that they're going to get. Like if I'm a Knicks fan, I can't take another season of wasted Chris Stapps. It has to be, I want pure, you know, like pure focus basketball trying to get better. They can't tank. I mean, they're going to, but they, they really shouldn't be tanking.
1: Um, any hot takes on Jared
0: Allen? You know what? I It was interesting. He's going to be a project, I think. You can see on the court that, he wants to do well. Right. So like there, there was a line coming out of the draft that he didn't seem to care about basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Right. But I, there's an obvious sense from him. I mean, we, we talked to him. He's a sweet, sweet child. Um mm-hmm. There's an obvious sense to him that he like, he's on the court. He's trying to be active. He's trying to figure out exactly what he should be doing. He's not this sort of type who, is just going to rely on talent, and then if his talent doesn't get him by, he's just not going to do anything. He seems to understand that he's going to he needs to be better in different areas, and he's going to try to get better. I mean, what's your what's your what's your sense of Jared?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think we in the first uh, after the first preseason game, we may have rushed to judgment. I'm not I'm not totally sure. Um, first of all, his free throws let me just tell you are going to be a problem. Uh, <laughs> as a guy, as a as a scrutinizer of free throws, that dude wants no part of being on the free throw line uh, at all, and you can tell. You can't get him off there fast enough. Um, but uh, outside of the fact that he's like swimming in his uniform, like that guy, either he needs to bulk up or get a smaller uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he, like we were saying, he's got he's he's got good instincts. I'll be very interested to see uh how he translates like the very raw skills that he has but apparently Anthony Puccio took took some uh video of him shooting threes um successfully um so he got the memo that if you want to if you want to elongate your NBA (laughs) career significantly you 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 fire up some threes like Timothy Mozgov did
0: yeah there's one thing that Mozgov did that was pretty hilarious you know so we love that Mozgov is shooting threes it's funny see a,
1: it's not funny he's making those he, yeah they he,
0: look he did drain what look like confident threes but, but there was one play in the corner against the the Nicks game the most recent Knicks game where because he is standing in the corner he's not just standing in the middle lane he does do that sometimes yeah. but he was standing in the corner and they passed it to him and the guy was the guy defending was right on him and trapped him in the corner so he tried to dribble out of the corner which he should never do he if there's a defender on him And a guy, and he's in the corner. Just throw the ball through the ceiling because he tried to dribble out of it, got stolen, and they got taken the
1: other way. But yeah, I was watching him pretty closely uh, against the Heat while while we were there, Um, and he was getting heckled pretty good by like a bunch of dudes in the in the rows in front of us, which I was great. I was really happy to see heckling back in New York City. Um, (laughs) Really, really happy. This This should be this should be an experience that you are. You may or may not want to bring a child to. Like that's the kind of that's the kind of environment I want for. The opposite for of what me. the Nets are trying to build. Yeah, that's what I just want. That back in New York City basketball, you know, it used to be like, yeah, if you were going to go to the garden as a kid, like you might hear some stuff that your parents would have to talk to you about later. You'd have to unpack for them. That, <laughs> was, you know, as a child, so, you you look at
0: that man in that like jersey that's way too tight for the size of man that he is. And you see him saying things and you, you start processing <laughs> that information in your head. You're like, oh, my God. Is that how humans yeah. act when you get older? Um,
1: right. Exactly. There should, be a, um, there should and, and be a
0: section. I know they want to do Brooklyn Brigade. And, but, like, there should be a section that is, like, the curse-heavy section. That mm, they, mm. it's, like, in the corner by the basket. You're Not that it's super desirable seats, but, like, there's ones, right, close enough where they can really yell. Yeah. Um,
1: and, you know they should. They really should do that. They so should get like a twenty-one and up section and have it just like have them have like a cheap beer option, and uh, and have all of the bedlam happen in one little area. Of, oh my
0: god! It. Yeah. If it, okay, let's price this out. Okay, so yeah. this is going to be corner bottom bowl. Okay, yeah. so those seats are what? Let's say seventy-five.
1: Yeah. Usually, uh, I mean, for, mm, I would say more like lower bottom bowl, probably anywhere from seventy-five to like two hundred and fifty. Oh, okay. So
0: it needs to be a, – a, okay. It needs to be a certain price where we can – where you can index in four beers per person because it should be yeah. unlimited drinks and that seat. But yet also um, just like you're penned in, all right? You're ne- you, there's no bathroom. You can't leave for the bathroom. You're just stuck, angry, needing to go to the bathroom in this area, mm-hmm. and you're just yelling the whole time. You can go to the bathroom at halftime. I think we should open up the pen at halftime. But besides that, yeah. you're locked in there. It's like – like when you see the European soccer matches where there's like fencing up around with the way fans. Mm, mm-hmm. That's what I want. But for Nets fans, I want them yeah. in there angry and just yeah. but there's just beer taps. People are just having angry and time. drunk. Get them angry and drunk and just um, screaming.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know where were we going with that before. I read your yeah. mark
0: call us up. marketing <laughs> yeah. marketing marketing man it's our old <laughs> yeah. famous segment people well, love it I,
1: where are those marketing jobs for us i mean honestly our talents are wasted on this podcast
0: it's almost embarrassing how good we are at this and they're not <laughs> yeah. um yeah so I, and w- let's do a quick alan crab because we re- really didn't touch on alan crab yeah. and Carol part i want both your reaction to both of their games yeah
1: um crab is uh longer and faster than i thought he was Um, just at a glance, like he breaks out, um, pretty easily, um, on, on a fast break. Um, I kind of, I had it in my head that he was more like a, uh, I don't know. I don't know who like, a
0: like an Anthony Morrow type or yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like
1: literally can stand there and shoot threes basically. Right. And it was ultimately like a pretty slow player, but he's, he's got, um, he's got a lot more speed than I, than I was ready for. Um, A lot more confidence he's like he's like I'm ready to tee off this season dude he's he's chucking them and making them you know in that one as as far as as far as we can tell Um, I mean hard not to be excited about the confidence in in that performance last night you know Um,
0: yeah I mean I think you know obviously it's been one preseason game but I'm in the position with him I want to see more but if he's open at three it should be that should be the play like open if he's open at three he should just put it, be able to put up the shot there should be no other discussion essentially of what's going to happen just cuz the percentages wise it's just too good um, right.
1: i feel that way about carroll too like i really like watching Damari stroke it uh, he, he's
0: a good rhythm shooter right like he's a guy that you want to be getting that pass in rhythm open and hitting down that three he that's it's, i mean he's not like a i don't feel like he's like a guy who's going to get around a pick and shoot a three as well he's a rhythm type dude i mean Alan Crabb, too is interesting athletically
1: You know, he's doing he's doing a lot of what we saw last season. I mean, it's uh, again, buy buy some Levert stock while you're at it. Uh, You know, he's um, he's he's actually like a super dynamic part of this of this team. It's going to be interesting to see where they insert him, like how much where he gets his minutes, uh, because it's not super obvious right now. Um, But for a dude that's that size, that's that able to to make really difficult, interesting, dynamic plays happen. Like, he – I feel really confident with him basically playing, like, a point guard position. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, think if they
0: didn't get D'Angelo this year, he would be playing, like, backup point yeah. guard type minutes. Like, in terms of, like, he would be the backup point guard. I think – okay. We gonna, uh, what were you we going to
1: say? Yeah. Now go ahead.
0: I think Kenny Atkinson's actual dream lineup would be Carroll, Crab, Levert, um, D'Angelo and Lynn like if he could figure out a way to put those five guys on the floor that's what he would do because I mean it's not actually realistic I mean I guess you could but I I feel like that's what he would want to be on the floor at all times the amount of ball handling and decent to pretty good shooting would be exciting it'd be so exciting to watch there, there'd be no way for guys just to close out on three-point shooters because all those guys could put it on the floor and do something with it. Crab's the the weakest at that, basically, but he's the best shooter of all of them, so he has the most ability to create that space.
1: We uh we just got an email from true boy Mike Wims, and it's an audio file email uh question, which is great, but unfortunately we're at like the end of the show. So Mike, uh if it's still I'll listen to it and if it's still relevant next uh next show, hopefully we get another one off this week, maybe. Um then we'll, we'll, we'll chuck that in there. I really love the idea of getting an audio email, Mike. Yeah, we need... We should encourage people to do that.
0: Maybe, maybe for um, our season preview show, which will be coming up next week for sure. Um, Ooh, I
1: like this idea.
0: Send in... Everyone knows how to attach MP3s to record on your phone. Do whatever. Make it sound, you know, it's some, don't, don't do it outside in city traffic. But uh, yeah, send in short little MP3 questions or comments. We'll take comments too. I mean, we appreciate your opinion as well. So netspot at gmail. That's where you're gonna do it. We're gonna do it for a season preview show. Uh, we do need to. You and I need to do some behind the scenes producing. See who we want to kind of get maybe on a couple of shows coming up. You and
1: I, some special yeah. guests maybe. <laughs> we'll take some uh, some suggestions on Twitter as well. Oh yeah, if you want. And okay. we gotta have. We we haven't talked about the Kmart Jeremy Lin. Uh, yeah, yeah that's on
0: my list. Okay, real quick. What's just? How do you feel about it?
1: Uh, I'm really embarrassed for Kenyon Martin like those his his thoughts are so um, flippant and and like contradictory and not not thought out like if you're gonna launch into and then and then he does the thing that I really dislike which is like it was a joke it's like no dude like we we don't don't pull that with us like we we don't believe you're lying um no like we saw what you were saying it's kind of butthurt about it or whatever you were and um and yeah, so I just kind of I was, felt like a little bit bummed out for him that he just went down this, this path of, of nonsensical stuff. Jeremy Lin has been, I think, very thoughtful about this whole this whole thing. Um, he's been very progressive minded about about the entire endeavor. Uh, hard, hard not to uh, you know in, like, like that about about him and this. Perfect I totally what, agree What is that what is that sound on here hearing? There's like a t rex that said window or something
0: um yeah, there's some taxis about to yelling at each other. I don't know what they're doing, but um I thought, no, it, I, I thought it was the raptor pet. <laughs> I totally agree i just I think you said it perfectly. I feel bad because I think both you and you like Kenny Martin more than I do just because you grew up that's that was your one of your dudes
1: i never up. I never liked him for his his um uh his ideologies and I liked him for his first for thinking, you know, I liked, I liked his dunks. That you was mostly what I liked. And that's a lot to like, that's a lot <laughs> yeah. to like. Um,
0: so, but like, I'm a fan of his dunks as well and his, his on court demeanor. So I didn't like that. It veered into that weird yeah place that it veered into. Um, I agree with you that I, I'd, I'd rather just honest. I mean, he was pretty honest with his apology, but the fact that he was saying it was a joke, that's not yeah you you were not you weren't saying that but hey anyway, whatever i jeremy Lin handled it extremely well uh yeah better than pretty much anyone could imagine i mean that
1: he, that he snuck the chinese tattoo thing in there is just yeah Yeah. Mm, no, it's a like little, <laughs> little little passive aggressive thing it's great all
0: right well that's our show uh give us a five-star rating on itunes if you could download us every time there's a new pod and listen to the whole thing um at bkguagas on Twitter, send in your questions, comments to netspot at gmail. Audio file, we would love to do an audio file roundup. Uh, yeah, we should.
1: Uh, we'll do a whole like thoughtful pre-production on this audio file thing. I think I think that's a good idea, Mike. All right, um, Brian, take us out. Hey, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye bye.